Hello and welcome to another edition of the Capiche Filmcast. Stephen Barry here, joined with Gordon Webster. How are you doing, Gordon? Good evening, Mr. Barry. I'm doing alright. I'm doing yeah. alright. In the sweltering heat. Yeah, really, really warm today. Hottest day of the year, I think. Oh, it's got to be. Yeah, sometimes it can be too hot, really. And they, they watch the old... Uh, get the sun lotion on at regular intervals. You yep. know what I'm like. It's us typical Scots. We've been praying for sun and all that and heat and now as soon as we get it, we're cowering inside after about 20 minutes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Have you been able to get outside yourself and enjoy the sun a bit? I know you've been busy working, haven't you? Yeah, I uh, was working uh, and finished at half... Well, really, it was about half five, really, by the time I finished. I did some overtime voluntarily. And by the time I really got out, it was about six-ish. So I just sat out with girlfriend, uh, had some dinner, and prepared, I suppose, for tomorrow's uh, Zoom call with her friends. We've been given a Taskmaster challenge, which we have to sing a rap song. A rap, rap song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You like the, the old one, Biscuit? Well, funny you mentioned that, Gordon, because the song I've chosen is Limp Biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, man, it's, it's I'm nervous. Um, break stuff. Nope. Oh, I wonder if that would have worked, actually. I never thought of that. I think it may be too aggressive. I think I wanted one that's a bit more... Yeah, one, yeah that, one, that, one, that one could have worked, maybe, but I've actually went for not a single. Um, it's off the third album the main album it's living it up so it's kind of known if you know your Limp Bizkit you know that song but it's not even a single he did perform it live uh, with Christina Aguilera of all people at MTV yeah just heard of a song done between Limp Bizkit and Christina Aguilera aye it was, it was her song and then he came on and did his the interlude part at the end of that song and they both sang it together it was really strange uh, you probably wouldn't see that sort of thing now I don't think a weird mishmash, Christina Aguilera and Fred Durst. But aye, aye, aye. I'm sure I've got an Im- I can imagine there's an image somewhere I'm, I've seen of her with a backwards baseball cap on, like like Avril Lavigne. Aye, aye, Do you remember her? Aye. There was yeah. maybe a few few pop chicks around that time where did the the whole Fred Durst look. Yeah, aye, it was the it was the look in the two thousands. It was cool, um, you know. Not so cool now, probably. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to have to do this call. Uh, I already knew that song, mostly. It's funny, I've looked up the lyrics just to check a couple of them, because I'm not sure the sort of the subtle the subtleties about a couple of them. But, yeah, it's it's two verses I'm going to do. Uh, I'm not going to do the choruses where he's actually living it up, not giving a fuck. <laughs> uh, oh, I think I'm okay. I think I know it. I think I'm going to be good, but it's going to be nerve-wracking. What I was actually planning on doing was editing together <laughs> just like essentially a video like a tiktok style video like a music video where i was gonna yeah. record into the i actually recorded that uh, me singing into this microphone and then i was gonna overlay it onto me pretending to rap like fred durst and edit it together silly holding random household items and things like that uh with a backwards cap and a hoodie <laughs> and uh it'd be like a really bad music video yeah <laughs> it's just one I, of those days yeah. You lack freight train. <laughs> yeah. There was one who complains, I, gotta leave with a blood stain. I <laughs> Yeah. 
<laughs> so you're going to join the call. <laughs> you don't. You don't want want me to join there. No, I hope you enjoy that. Yeah, you're you're making good use of the the whole Zoom and and Skype thing. I've uh, I've been seeing uh, some rap. You know, I tell you about these music video channels I sometimes have on. I'm getting MTV Rocks is quite good in the the weekday mornings, and there's the Beastie Boys on all the time. Oh, the Beastie Boys. You get the odd bit of Limp Biscuit. Um, you know, it's the 90s, and God, uh, we could go on all day about 90s music. There's um, some good stuff. I'm, I'm starting to discover the likes of Radiohead and The Verve a bit more, because um, I maybe didn't take as much notes of them at the time. There's there's plenty of Oasis and just all the stuff we like, you know? Yes, aye, definitely. The 90s is, is my jam. So that, yeah. was, it's, that was the era for me. Uh, pretty much new. Yeah, I know most of the, even the pop stuff that I wouldn't consider myself a you know pop fan, but... Yeah, definitely nineties um, is is my thing. Early two thousands, actually, got into rap and new metal. That was pretty much like I loved Limp Biscuit. I loved Limp Biscuit obsessively in the two thousands at high school. Whereas everyone else, it was kind of like, no, oh, they're crap, mate. But I actually legitimately <laughs> was obsessed to the point that it's kind of like a wee bit embarrassing when I think back. And I and I've and I now enjoy them on an ironic level. <laughs> But I have to admit, it was not ironic back in 2003 or 2001. <laughs> yeah. I remember maybe one of my first memories that uh, me and my brother Andy probably told you about the, the really annoying wee cousin that we really didn't like, that we really couldn't stand. And he was well into Limbiscuit. He did this whole kind of dance thing to like show us how it went. It must have been from one of the music videos. And <laughs> we all we'll just remember how ridiculous it looked. But they, I mean. <laughs> It's weird to think, right? Back then, he was probably in his early 30s, Fred Durst. But the music he made was targeted at like 12-year-olds and 14-year-olds, which is the exact age I was when it came about. So to me, they were the, the coolest thing you could get. <laughs> you know, uh, because I did like rap music, um, kind of. Again, it's I suppose it's through Eminem, really. And I got into Dre and Exhibit and Snoop Dogg from that. But Limp Bizkit a far inferior rapper Fred Durst but their actual music production wise is I still actually support I could say the first their, their album they've got a very good production their actual albums sound great uh, it's just the lyrics god <laughs> even looking up the lyrics to live it up and I'm like Jesus <laughs> these are these are so bad uh, they never came across the most intelligent lyrics <laughs> I was like do you know it's funny because I I liked some of the the rapping, the early Lincoln Park stuff, which was quite intelligent. And then I heard a lot of that before I heard a lot of the Lamb Biscuit stuff. And well, the Lamb Biscuit stuff came across a bit more naive. Yeah. The thing is, there were always this, like, kind of um, contradiction, I suppose. I think Marlon Manson coined it when he was saying, like, they're a band that talk about how they're misfits. They're always the outcast. They were bullied. Fred Durst was bullied when he was younger and stuff like that. But he makes music that is clearly for the sort of bro kind of tough guy like that sort of like really macho testosterone type stuff and it's like kind of not quite you know it kind of goes against the whole misfit thing i don't know that was that was an interesting observation from marla manson by the way this is a film cast uh at some point we probably will talk about films this is one of our shorties we're trying to do weekly short podcast gordon I'll just get out of the way. I haven't seen any films since the last time we spoke, which I still have to upload that podcast anyway. Um, I'm off for two weeks and I'm going to be uploading a lot of podcasts next week. 
Gordon, what have you been watching in this oh, in this last while, I suppose? Yeah, I got a couple of movies in last weekend. I've, me and Andy, my brother, have actually started tonight to watch Bad Boys for Life, the latest in the Bad Boys franchise. I think I mentioned before, but Bad Boys was... It's a, it's a classic that I will revisit. I've seen it a couple of times. The second one's quite good. But yeah, watched a couple last weekend. Got in Marathon Man. You seen that? Nope. I think this will be a recurring thing for me. As much as the host of a film podcast, most of the time when somebody says, have you seen that film? The answer about 75% of that time is no. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, well, um, it, 1976, I think it is. Okay. Or 77. Dustin Hoffman. Lawrence Olivier, are you familiar with, with the Lawrence? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, well, Lawrence, Olive, Lawrence Olivier, the, um, he, was a, yeah. he, was a, he was a well-known act, stage actor from the 40s and 50s, but in his, when he was, a, he was a senior actor in, in the 70s, he was still in a few big films. He was in A Bridge Too Far with Sean Connery and Robert Redford. He was in uh, Marathon Man, so he, was, he played a villain, uh, a, a Nazi war criminal on the run. Okay. Dustin Hoffman is, is kind of a student who goes up against basically Nazi war criminals. It's pretty intense, a pretty dark, brutal film. And Roy Roy Scheider, remember him starring in Jaws? Yeah. Yeah. He plays uh he plays Dustin Hoffman's brother. It's just one of these films with quite a good reputation. It sometimes appears in these top hundred films lists, and Andy told me that he'd seen it years ago in recommend it pretty highly so the he hadn't seen it for a while so the two of us watched that and pretty dark okay yeah sounds good actually yeah Olivia C is a is a villain really really effective very um if you've not really seen him before it might be a good film to watch him in he has a real presence about him okay yeah yeah um i we i did a call another zoom call uh with some friends last weekend this group prefers we pretty much talk about films all the time on our WhatsApp chat. Mostly always the same ones. There's a fierce argument about the ranking of the Star Trek films. We have different opinions on... It's not Star Trek, sorry, Star Wars. Uh, Star Wars films as well as the Batman films. Ongoing. For the last about eight years, I think, we've been arguing about these films. Um, and we, long story short, we were on a Zoom call and it was all about 80s and 90s films and we were trying to kind of argue what we think are the best ones and it made us all realise that we want to either revisit most of them or in my case, as well as one of the other guys, watch most of these films because I missed a lot of 80s films, 80s especially. 90s, I'm, I'm familiar with a lot of the cla- most of the classics, but the 80s, I kind of missed all your, 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 the big ones, the Beverly Hills cop films and things like that. So... We've uh, one of the guys geekily has come up with a spreadsheet that he's continually updating for us all to say if we've seen the film and rank it, and we'll all have our own separate tab. So I'm actually going to be intrigued to see what ones everyone's seen and how we'd rate the films. But yeah, good stuff. Yeah, that is good to. I, I may be an advantage because I've got Sky Movies as well, and there, there's a lot up there, and they rotate it around. So there's it's see since I've had that, I've just. I've watched all these old classics I always wanted to see and never got around to. It's a great thing. You know, being able to watch the trailers beforehand for some of them as well is it's good. Uh, Dustin Hoffman, I've not seen him in a lot of stuff. And if you're more into your 90s films, you might remember him from the likes of Hook. And then he was he played um, in uh, Meet the Fockers. He was the, the father-in-law. Or, well, he was... Um, 
Uh, yeah, ben Stiller's would to be father-in-law, but he's—I've uh, never seen him in a lot of films. In his older films, he—he uh, he tends to play kind of weak characters. I always found him a bit of an annoying actor, but he is—he's good in it, and it's yeah, like I said, it's dark. There's some kind of nasty stuff that happens. And Roy Scheider's his brother. It's nice to see two two very skillful actors together, and the, there's not that much screen time between the two of them. But um, it's just the great chemistry between them. It's nice, nice to see two like very different actors as mate portrayed as brothers. You got quite a few films like that. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll need to add it to my list then of films I need to see. Yeah, I'd recommend it. Yeah, it's I'm trying to think what else to say. See, you know, my memory's so bad, especially when I have a few drinks when I watch these. But yeah, highly recommended. Did you know who directed it? Thrilling. It was oh no, I don't. It, it was um one I'm not too familiar with. A guy I'm not okay. too familiar with. Okay, but it's very yeah, it's very highly rated. It's one of these films that I, I always heard people talking about it. And Roy Scheider seems to be more well known for Jaws than anything else. But he doesn't have so much screen time. It's more it's more Dustin Hoffman. But yeah, it's it's just it's very thrilling. Just very thrilling. Very dark. Yeah. All right then. Cool. I'll add that to my list certainly. Uh, what was the other film you said you've watched? Well, I watched uh, another one, the Lethal Weapon. One's Lethal Weapon Four. Just that sometimes in the mood, just for a, a feel good film. Yeah. And one one I'm familiar with. I was only I'd only seen this film once before. Of uh, the other three Lethal Weapon films, especially the first two, I'm fairly familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. Familiar at all with the Lethal Weapon franchise? Um, I have definitely seen the first one. I know I've seen that one at least once, um, and I did like it at the time. Um, I've seen, I think I have seen two and three. I remember not certainly the third one. I did find, as much as I'm a fan of Joe Pesci, I found his character in them really irritating. I just didn't like. Uh, Joe Pesci doing comedy doesn't work for me. Keep him just as an a scary, intimidating gangster. That's or uh, a burglar. That's in the Home Alone films. But, <laughs> yeah, the Wayne it, Bandits. It's just aye, exactly. It doesn't work for me in the Lethal Weapon films. But yeah, I don't know. I think also kind of seeing how Mel Gibson has been over the years. It, I'm not like overly enthusiastic about returning to a lot of his work. I know that he was great in this film, so you shouldn't. If you you have to try and divide sort of the person that has come out of all of that, and as well as the as the the actor and his performances and things like that, because he's clearly obviously talented. But yeah, some of the things you hear about him recently, there was a story came out as well um, about him and Winona Ryder kind of remarks he's made about her back in 1995. To be fair, but still, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think I've heard one or one or two wee things. Danny Glover's obviously his co-star, and I think if anything, uh, he's out of all the Lethal Weapon films, he's maybe the more entertaining of the two characters. Riggs and Murtog, the two buddy cop detectives. Yeah, I, I and I get what you were saying about the third one. You switched off a bit because I find that the third's definitely my least favourite. You might think that the more recent one is maybe where, like with a lot of franchises, they ran out of steam a bit, but the fourth one's actually probably a bit of a step up from the third one. You may like it because, Steve, you were saying you like ensemble casts, and as much as you might find Joe Pesky again a bit irritating, um, it's got 
you might remember Rennie Russell was in the third one. She's an internal affairs cop that the Riggs ends up getting in a relationship with. And so she comes back, obviously, Danny Glover and Joe Pesky, um, their chief, I can't remember the actor's name, Jet Lee's in it, Chris oh, Rock's wow. in it, playing another. Jet Lee's the, the main antagonist. Okay. But again, big yeah. ensemble cast, which I really, a couple of other, the, the, the smaller supporting cast members from the previous one. It just, I, I just, I think the, the chemistry's still there between Danny Glover and, and Mel Gibson. And I enjoy Joe Pesky. I love Pesky's interplay with, uh, with Chris Rock. He's a hilarious character. If you get the chance, you even, you might want to look up a particular scene about cell phones and YouTube. It's, uh, it's, it's really good. It's a pretty entertaining. It's, and there is actually as much as, see the first Lethal Weapon, it's, it's a darker film. There's the whole thing about Briggs being, um, suicidal about the, the death yeah. of his wife. It's quite a dark film. Um, then the second and third become a bit more lighthearted. So, the fourth is mainly like that, but there's there's some darker stuff involving the the uh, the Chinese triads that um that Riggs and Myrtle have to investigate, and it gets quite personal, you know. It's but on the whole, it's it's entertaining and it's it's got the good one liners and full just uh, full of a lot of the funny interplay between the two. Just they're just the typical example of buddy cops. It's similar to like you know your bad boys and and mm-hmm. and those kind of franchises. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that's the main draw. Danny Glover's kind of banter. Does he say it in every film the line, uh, or is it just my imagination when he says the line about uh, too old for shit? I knew you were going to say yeah. Um, is it just one I film? Think he says he, I think he, no, I think he does. He definitely. It's definitely a recurring thing. Yeah, and of course he retires and then he comes by. He's, uh, they really play in that. One of the funny things they play on in this film is um, Riggs hears uh, a rumour that the Murtaugh's on the take because he seems to suddenly have come into a lot of money and he's giving his family a lot of money. They're getting, they're get, they've got a nice car and a new boat and all this stuff. And uh, when you find out the real reason that he's got the money he has is... Is is pretty amusing, yeah. No, that's one. That's one of the running themes through the Lethal Weapon film, and it's one of these films. Do you know it's lovely? It's the same when, um, because I, I feel a lot of music's going downhill these days as well. It'll be like when a band releases some record, um, an older band, and you assume it's the it's just a nostalgia act, but actually turns out to be really good. I mean, there was a good gap of I think about eight years between this and the third Lethal Weapon film, and when you get that with films as well as music when there's a long gap and then suddenly there's a new one. You could say the same for maybe the, I don't know what the new Bad Boys film's like, or even like stuff like American Pie. I mean, that's a totally different thing. That's a long-running franchise. I remember when I saw American Pie, the reunion with the, the original cast, I thought it was just going to be stupid and just a big nostalgia act that wouldn't really work. But I actually found it, it was hilarious and brilliant. And I found the same with Lethal Weapon 4 after. They actually made it. It was still original, and it was it was well directed and well shot and everything. It, you know, it, it had the it still had that magic. Do you know what I mean? You get that? You get that? I mean, there's so many franchises just run out of steam, and they'll uh, yeah, maybe like the Rocky franchise, for example. You know, the the a couple of later ones didn't really quite have it. The Rock the Rocky franchise is an interesting one because they've kept going in a sense through Creed. 
the Creed's kind of revitalized the the sort of Brock. If you if you count that as the same franchise, which in some ways it is, the same continuity, same yeah. character. That's an interesting way they've done it. Actually, I haven't seen the second Creed to be fair, and I heard that's not as good as the first. But yeah, the uh, is um is it Lethal Weapon two that Danny Glover is strapped to a toilet that got a bomb on it or something? I, I think see. so. Yeah, Lethal Weapon two is the one where the the two guys are up against. South African criminals. I don't remember the details. I'll, I pretty much all I remember is the first film and Danny Glover being strapped to a, to a toilet or something yeah. uh, with a bomb. <laughs> that's that's really all. I and I, I remember fleeting moments with Joe Pesci just being yeah. kind of irritated. That's the thing with the Lethal Weapon films. I think I would enjoy them now, but they they weren't the ones that I watched a lot. I had I, I was never the big fan of them. It's kind of the franchise I, I sort of. Or one of the franchises that didn't stick with me as a kid. Didn't I don't have that affiliate kind of the way that I, I would Die Hard one and two. I love seeing them a lot as a kid or growing up. Especially two, actually two is when I watched more. Yeah, I recognise the first one is better. Yeah, but yeah. It's um, if if those two were compared, I would have to be a Die Hard man myself. Yeah, I, I maybe it's well. Do you know in terms of? In terms of how well they've kept the franchise going in sequels, definitely Lethal Weapon by quite a margin. But yeah. I would say the original Die Hard's better than the original Lethal Weapon. Yeah. There's been too, for me, there's been too many. Actually, the first couple uh, yeah. of sequels of Die Hard were good. Up to, I really loved Die Hard for Avengers, but Die Hard um, 4.0, 4. <clears throat> excuse me, and um, the one after Die, Die well, whatever you call it. Um, I wasn't that's, that's, a, that's a tragic that's a travesty of a film that is a fucking horrible film uh oh absolute that's a train wreck it's terrible it's one of the worst films i've seen i've paid for in the cinema oh yeah i saw it in the cinema and uh, it was a, it was a, a big disappointment oh so shit it just uh and I don't know if they're doing another one or something. Uh, but, the lethal, but then the Lethal Weapon ones, so they're the fourth one. I really hope they don't ruin the franchise by doing or not, because Lethal Weapon 4 is, I actually rate it quite highly. Yeah. Okay. I'll, uh, well, I'll probably, they'll be on my list, my friends list, that we're going to have to try and mark our way through the 80s films and the 90s films. So I'll be getting through the Lethal Weapon franchise anyway as part of that. So that's good. Oh, um, and uh, Michael Kamen on the score, some good, some License to Kill vibes I was getting from it, same style of I music. Was, I was wondering where the Bond alumni would, would appear, actually, I've not mentioned anyone yet, so good, good to know that's, that continuity is still, still going strong, we've still got some link, some tenuous link to the Bond franchise in Gordon's viewing. It's, I mean, what, 25 films, there's always been going to be directors and actors, that's, that's the thing. And, but it's it just it's because it's so noticeable though because Cayman is a is a real style and I suppose Lethal Weapon films are probably his trademark and oh well it's it's not just Michael Cayman but he collaborated with Eric Clapton there's some lovely wee guitar parts as well yeah yeah okay is there any other films or is that you for this week that's my normal films I've watched two bottles but that was just to get the audio commentaries in for I watched the uh, well I watched um gradually all view to a kill with Roger Moore's audio commentary and then uh, most of the Octopussy one. That's actually a view to a kill's my next one. I just finished Octopussy. So we'll because be the thing is, yeah, well, the thing is, um, I'd, 
I hadn't realised I had all these DVDs and didn't even realise that there was a Roger Moore audio commentary. I thought it was just the cast and crew one, but and it's actually quite hard to find in the menu. But it's it's he does it quite well, and it's you know it's humorous and his his typical. I love it. Let me guess, let me guess, right? He starts his commentary by saying, this is not so much a running commentary, it's more of a an observation of moments and people I met on the set and just, <laughs> like, stuff like yeah, that. That's, that's exactly what he says, yeah. <laughs> he does it every single one, every single one, I love it. It's, here we go, he's going to tell us his wee disclaimer at the start. Yeah. This is not scene-by-scene scene commentary, it's more just... Uh, a recollection of events from some of the people I met in the cast and the crew. God, God love him. R.I.P. I love Roger Moore. That's missed. He did, he did so much for the Double Sim franchise after he was Double Seven. Yeah. That's the thing, recording all these audio commentaries and so forth. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I've been thinking about, you know, what, who's my favourite Bond, all this kind of stuff. And for different reasons, it's nearly all of them. <laughs> Apart from Lazenby, really. Even though I recognise even in his film, he did for a rookie uh, he did a good job uh, and brought something to it that the others still hadn't done but he's still clearly no I don't think anyone would say they favour Lazenby over anyone else but the other four like there honestly is a strong argument to be made for five <laughs> yeah yeah it's five yeah it's five, it's yeah. five yeah the other five there's a strong argument to be made for any of those and uh, if it's for the films wise in terms of a perfect hit ratio is Dalton. If it's for the grown-up nostalgia, the feels, it's Brosnan. And if it's for the recognition for what the character was from the very beginning and the input, the legacy of the series, it's it's Connor. It's got to be. But then for everything else and the way that Moore has embraced the franchise and gave back in so many ways, then you've, you know, I've got this real affection. And then Craig is fantastic as well like what he's doing still mm-hmm. obviously it's, it's difficult to grade him yet we've still got a film to go with him but two classics i would say one definite classic and i, I need to see skyfall again anyways yeah so it's uh yeah long, that's a tangent ranking of bonds uh yeah um, um i was gonna ask sorry um yeah so maybe not been much happening film wise has there been any other good tv you've seen or good music you know, this week, I must say, I'm, I'm I'm a bit of a poor show. I plan to make sure that's different for next week. I will have more to talk about next week when I'm off. Um, but no, that I have uh, really doing much. Okay, if you count watching classic WWF uh, pay per views from the the early nineties as good TV watching, then that's what I've been doing. Uh, <laughs> been catching up on the WWE network that I've just paid kind of invariably for um and just watching old wrestlemania and royal rumbles just just because i hadn't seen them I, I grew up in the, the late wwf era did you ever watch wwf gordon at all and yeah, in, yeah. The, in the late late 90s yeah. sort of era like the attitude era when it was stone cold and the rock yeah so that was the, that's my idea as well but i've always had a, a kind of wanted to understand and get because i never grew i never watched the 80s stuff never had the channels all that kind of stuff so i kind of wanted to see the beginnings of where wwe came from and just see the progression of all these characters and it's actually been quite fun some of it is awful truly god awful uh but it's still a time 
that I like to sort of just see where we were at at that point. So yeah, that's what I've been doing. Not exactly <laughs> current, not exactly informative for a film podcast. Yeah. Okay. The first thing I uh, thought about there was WWF Attitude and the N64, this thing they do with their arms when they're waiting to make a move. Ah, uh, yeah, definitely the sort of robot stance where they just kind of like... <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, I gotta love that. Yes, and then you need to press that. about twenty buttons just to get them to make one move. Aye, I know. It was a terrible. I mean, I, I was too naive back then to understand how bad that was. But it's awful. It's so inaccessible. Yep. Okay, we'll end up here. Uh, I want to give one plug though for Gordon. You've got a new article up on our website. Uh, so I'll let you plug that for a couple of seconds, and you can tee us up for your next article, which will be coming up at some point. Ah, ah, uh, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> uh, no one will read it anyway. It's fine. No, no. It's more, more an educational art article about um related to my 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 railway historical railway books, and uh, just yeah. more or less synopsis. Tried to make it a bit more relatable than the yeah, and mostly mostly about Scotland and just how the railways have contributed to um our our lives and what's happening at the moment and how important they are at the moment i've kept it fairly concise yeah because well i thought it was good to just say it was just as i'm not going to do things like that too often but you got to promote your own product of course as an artist and also um yeah just something about i thought it'd be nice of the odd history piece something a bit more educational and amongst all our our film stuff so yeah and just filled, filled a wee bit of time as well and oh, so commission dot online isn't it so and yep. growing strong yep capiche.online k-a-p-w-e-s-h for anyone who's only listened to this for some reason doesn't know that uh yeah we've got as gordon said we've got that article which is fascinating actually it's a lot of stuff that i didn't know about um so yeah and more to come of course uh, the next one will be a, a, a tenuous link to bond well not just tenuous it'll be an actual trains uh trains and bond <laughs> your favorite things gordon i'm looking forward to it uh we've obviously got our film reviews we've got some old retro game reviews and the odd current one as well as these podcasts pretty much a couple of tv retrospect so yeah a kind of mishmash of different things for but if anyone's looking for anything i think the, the writing quality is pretty decent and also some fun stuff that you might not have known about all right then so yeah and you can obviously check the website join us as a member that'd be fantastic there's four forums and the chat and everything there um as well as our podcast is on soundcloud uh apple uh apple podcasts and spotify and a few other players um as well we're also on facebook and twitter if you want to engage with us send us emails anything like that that'd be fantastic we'd really welcome that Okay, that'll do this short one. This time we actually did get it under 35 minutes, uh, so I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, <laughs> good I'm, job, I'm, well done. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make these an established short podcast so that then the long Bond ones or the big specials or the, or the big long yeah. podcast for the whatever film we're doing. So it makes sense to have some short ones to, to kind of, just to keep it going, keep the content going. This will be going up hopefully next week probably not maybe possibly back to back with the one we did last week i'll be having a lot more free time so more content will be going up next week um as long as the weather isn't so hot that i just can't bother working on my laptop and want to sit outside but we'll see anyways before i make this podcast 35 minutes long i will end it thank you gordon for joining me for this one thank you steve and we will be back for the next either regularly or irregularly scheduled podcast (laughs) bye-bye